0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. wa ala We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Taala, and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And I am running a little bit late because in class, in Sufi class today, everybody wanted to talk about the dark arts and evil and possession and all that stuff, so that kept us occupied. And then the questions ran way over time, so let us pull this up and we were speaking about uh the nur and having some fun discussions about that and let me also pull up the translation oh this is too big okay so where we left off last time we were looking at We are about to get into, you can say, the third or fourth part of the ayah. So Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. Allah is the light of the skies and the earth. And then the example of his light is that you have a niche, and then you have a lamp, and then the lamp, and it is in a bottle or a glass. And then the glass is like this shining star, brilliantly lit, from the blessed tree so now we're moving from the cosmos to the world or perhaps to the world what are your reflections on this notion of the Shajara Mubarika any thoughts are you in the cluster let me thoughts, reflections, that perhaps this can give us some insights on trying to understand the first part of the ayah or anything that is being said about Allah, or we can take it further. We have this blessed tree. What kind of tree is this? Olive tree. Yeah, thank you for your ability to read. Okay, so this olive tree that is neither from the East nor the West, and its oil catches the fire, the light so fast that it almost emits light upon itself and then the very famous line nur ala nur so dear Sufis and Sufi wannabes in the class what are your thoughts and reflections about what we have here silence Awesome.
1: I mean, there are a lot of sort of uh, implications regarding like laws of physics and stuff, like the oil emitting light, even though fire hasn't actually touched it. Like that's Mm -hmm. not a I mean, it's a thing we can understand, but it's not a thing we can create, right? Mm -hmm. And so the idea is that um. Uh. in a sense like we are like it almost feels like this is being like we're being spoken to on our level right um, here's the thing that even though you can't replicate it you can sort of understand like you can use this as sort of a um. like a guide towards the the sort of power we're talking about and the sort of beauty we're talking about that it, although it's incomprehensible to you, here's a thing that's, that you can understand that'll sort of push you towards it. Um, I, I also have a question about the, the olive tree, neither Eastern nor Western. Um, so what, what's the, like, is there, is there a reading to, Why neither Eastern nor Western is mentioned. Any reflections from anyone else.
2: I was going to say is actually similarly to what awesome is saying is neither Eastern or Western referring to the tree, or is it referring to the light.
0: Any reflections? Well, it's not
3: the Shajira.
0: Okay. Can you all hear Farah? and you hear me? Yeah. No, you can't. Can you
1: hear me? Sort of. You, you sound like you're in an arena almost.
0: <laughs> uh, Shayla.
2: I mean, I think, I don't know which one it's referring to, but um, I think that it means like, other than this world like okay. you know like it doesn't belong to this world it's yeah. it's above this world right it's neither from the east nor from the west and i don't know yeah i don't know whether that's the tree or the light but it's allah in the end and he's mm-hmm. not of this world i think
0: so in in the quran what are all the trees you all can think of Okay, so <laughs> the first one that comes to as far as mine is the tree in hell. Okay, so moving from the bottom all the way up to the top, what are some other trees? Anyone else?
3: Big
0: tree. 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 Fig tree. Olive tree. Fig tree. What else? Olive tree right here. So, Zaytun, olive tree. What else?
4: The tree in paradise.
0: The tree in paradise at the other end. At the sidrat al-Muntaha. This is this giant tree that is the expanse of the entire horizon, and its leaves are like the ears of elephants. So, there's also a few other trees. There's, for example, the tree that is the metaphor for the Ummah, that we are like a strong tree with these deep roots. This is a Surt al-Fat. Of so when you and I are seeing east and west, I think we're especially conditioned by our modern thinking where you do have east and west. Uh, here, I think uh, it's we can associate it perhaps with the light of the sun. Because what is east and west? It's related to where the sun starts and where the sun ends. So still a big mystery what we're talking about here. The tree... This blessed tree can be from neither East nor West, or this whole scenario can be from neither East nor West. All right, big mystery. Then let's go to the next part. Now, what I hinted at yesterday is sometimes it might be harder to decipher an ayah moving forward. Sometimes it's easier to, uh, or sometimes it's easier to decipher an ayah starting from the beginning going to the end. But sometimes it's easier to decipher an ayah going from the end to the beginning. So what do we have after the tree and this oil that almost captures the light without even being lit? That Allah Allah guides Allah guides to his light Now we might have a better sense of what the light can be. But let's keep going. And so Allah describes examples for people and Allah knows everything very well for Allah, uh, Allah, he knows all, he is knowing of all. So let's take this step-by-step in the reverse. Allah knows all. And then Allah gives examples to people. And then Allah guides to his light, whomever he wills. And then moving a step before that, we have light upon light. If we just take light upon light, plus Allah guides uh, to his light whomever he wills. Just those two parts, as though that's all of Revelation. How do we read it? Of course, the, the tree of Mary, uh, Maryam, the, the tree of Adam and Eve. But uh, what do you think? Nur ala Nur and then yahdi allahu or Linudihi ma that light upon light and Allah guides to him as light whomever he wills. Now we're really being forced to use our brains here, our spiritual brains. So, so Light is limitless. Allah could guide everyone to it, if he wills. The light being limitless, I think, is a very big part of this. As well as the light is without shadows.
5: So one interpretation could be that light is the guidance, right? Which is guidance in this world. And light upon light is the ultimate destination. Uh, as a result of the guidance.
0: But what, uh, what do you, you mean by the ultimate destination?
5: Ultimate destination, which is a paradise. Okay. Uh, um, like uh, that light, which is a revolution, and that light leads us to, or can lead us to the ultimate destination, which is paradise.
0: Okay. Awesome. You raise your hand. Yeah, you made
1: a point about no shadows. Um, isn't the existence of shadows implied by Says Allah guides to his light whomever he wills. Mm-hmm. So if you're not guided to the light, aren't you then in the shadow? If say the last part, if you're guided to the light, then what? If you're not guided to the light, then aren't you in the shadow?
0: Like if you're not in the light, then you're, those are the two options, right? I would say if you're not in the light, then potentially you are in darkness, you know, which I'm saying is not necessarily synonymous with shadow. Okay. But when I'm speaking of light without shadows, uh, one way to think about this is that, all right, wherever you all are, if you haven't had, if, if Thar is not for a while, and you look out the window, can you see light? No, you can see the effects of light, right? Or you can see the producer of light, but you can't see the light itself. Uh, Zeba.
4: So, it's this concept of like light upon light and being guided to light. Sort of makes me think of. Um, I remember you would always talk about in lectures how the soul always like yearns for more, yearns to be closer to Allah So yes. I think of like Wait, the which, one which, light being like the light in your soul.
0: Sorry, who are you?
4: Oh, Zeba.
0: Okay, obviously you're Zeba. Which Zeba are you?
4: Oh, uh, will you recognize me, Zeba Seethwada? I was like a 2014 oh, grad.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Zorain sister.
4: Ah, <laughs> oh, not again. Yes. Okay, that's right. me. Okay, okay. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> yeah. So I think of one light as being one of the lights in the soul and that's, is always there. It doesn't necessarily need like extra lighting. It's the oil is there and it's waiting to be lit by your yearning and your seeking of knowledge. And it guides you closer to Allah SWT and his wisdom. That's mm-hmm. the bigger light.
0: Mm-hmm. So we have the light in our souls. We have the light from Allah. And then are the two meeting, or is that the goal for the two to meet? What do you think?
4: I think it would be for the two to meet. Uh, It's almost like, in my head, I see it as like Allah is like the main candle that lit all these souls. And so it's like the same source of light. Okay. Um,
0: That our soul is an extension perhaps of his light. All right. Any other thoughts? I'm
3: thinking that- Please. um, uh, can, you so, all, can you all
0: hear for So, light is a
3: given, uh, like it's a precedence, uh, it exists, right, and even a shadow or darkness is only described as an absence of it, it's not an existence on its own. Mm-hmm. And so, for someone to realize their true nature or, you know, sort of be perceptive to their uh, unbiased reality of themselves and the world um they would surely see you know signs or the existence or the qualities of of god and and so the juxtaposition i guess between light upon light and god guiding you is um yeah it's some some sort of meeting of you getting rid of your biases or you know purifying yourself mm-hmm. to see that which exists. And certainly if you do that, you will be guided towards, um, okay.
0: yeah, to all be right. more light. Sure, mm-hmm. any other thoughts? Let me change the question. <clears throat> and I'm, uh, can you all hear me clearly or is there too much of an echo? All right, so how about now? Better? Okay, so, what does it mean here to be guided? It says, Allah describes His examples for, for the people. So He is hitting you with the examples for people. Okay. And Allah knows all. If we were to speak of this ayah as guidance or giving guidance, what would it mean for me to be guided then? using if this was if this eye was the only revelation what do you think
2: really simplistically here but just being guided being guided to islam
0: okay i think even simpler than that i would suggest that guidance here is the exact engagement that you and I are doing, trying to make sense of this ayah as a way of, inshallah, trying to get closer to God. See what I'm saying? That that whatever this ayah is saying, part of the reason that this ayah, for example, has volumes and volumes and volumes of commentary just on this one ayah, that exercise in trying to make sense of this trying to derive meaning of this with what intention not so much what does the ayah mean but what is this ayah telling me about allah and so yes Stephanie, exactly it's the effort that is the guidance here okay. does it make sense you know nod or pretend like you agree or disagree express your disagreement and so So this is going back to, you know, yesterday, was it yesterday when we were just even speaking about the light yeah yesterday, when I was somewhat resisting giving a definition to what the light is, right? Is it metaphor? Is it literal? Is it something that we can interpret based on what we know of light and, and such and such? And I was even trying to push us to expand all the different interactions we have with the Quran, going right back down to recitation itself and the experience that recitation or listening or reciting might have on me, which is beyond, potentially beyond rational. Like when I was asking everybody, what are your favorite so, and And so here, what I'm suggesting for your consideration is we clearly have a structure here, right? We have light and then we have the niche, then we have the lamp and then we have the glass and then we have, okay, here's what this is all like. It's like these bright shining stars. or it's like this oil coming from a tree so this light that's coming from above or this light that you used to write in front of you sort of like those things but the bigger point the more baser point i'm suggesting is that the guidance that is happening is you and i implicitly already taking this as revelation from allah and it's teaching us something about allah and we're yearning to find out what is this teaching us about allah And the effort that we're going through, that is the manifestation of guidance. As opposed to just saying, this is that God is light and then done. And then we just take it as a creedal statement that I just have to accept this. Can anyone try to explain what I'm saying back to us? Stephanie, I think you kind of uh, touched on it even before I explained it, why don't you explain it back to us? And then Shayla.
4: Okay, um, I'll give it a shot. Um, that guidance isn't necessarily always defined as understanding something or getting the AYA's meaning completely, but the effort that we're taking or putting in to engage with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sheila. Yeah,
2: I would agree with that. Um, at first, it didn't make sense when you were saying that but yeah I would agree with that but also um, I mean I think it's obvious that Allah purposely yeah so he purposely made this complex to create this opportunity for us mm-hmm. to engage with the text more deeply yeah
0: mm-hmm. so on that note think about the it's different
2: blessing. it's a blessing that it's so complex
0: yeah mashallah yeah. and so on that note think about the different types of ayahs we've already looked at so far we had Bismillah we had Alif Lam Mim. Right. And then we had, Ya So we had the, uh, the Bismillah, the Basmalah. We had Alif the disconnected letters. We had uh, the command. Okay. And then now we have this. And so we have literally four different ways in which Allah is speaking to us. One way, is a statement that I was saying is a statement about reality, bismillah rahman, rahim which we commonly say is a statement about intentions. I begin in the name of Allah. Okay. But it's not an instruction. And then we have that Allah speaks sometimes out of, out by pure ambiguities. That's a disconnected letters. Sometimes Allah speaks with instructions, do this. And then sometimes Allah speaks by way of these metaphors. And imagine we have four different people. They might have four different affinities in terms of how they get closer to Allah. One person might need the commands. That's the Sunday school Islam, right? Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what you're supposed to memorize. You don't, you you burn in hell and you're probably gonna burn hell anyway. So why try? Okay, so that's Sunday school Islam. And then of course, You'll have the people who break off from that and will find appreciation in these ayahs. Okay. Then I'm also suggesting Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, which is sort of hardwired in all of us, at least as a statement of intention. But I was describing it as a path that at first we're focusing on connection, connection to Allah by way of his name, starting with the name of Allah and by way of his Rahmah. And then that's the flashlight through which we understand everything. And so this is a different type of speaking. And sometimes we call these passages civilizational or generational passages. And what I mean by generational passages is that the discussion that it creates, that it has just enough ambiguity and just enough uh, clarity or certainty that it creates the discourse. In some ways, that's how these are especially fascinating. Yeah. You're not going to have as much discourse about, you know, oh, mankind be the abdav rub, nearly as much as you're going to have about this. But that whole process of engagement, I'm suggesting for your consideration, is guidance. Any thoughts, reflections, questions, pushback? Audience online? Participants in the room? In person. In person. Awesome. Uh,
1: so... I guess I always assumed guidance to mean understanding and that's not how we're using it
0: here because what's this guidance to? Mm -hmm,
6: mm -hmm.
0: So when I'm, when I'm reading light in this passage, I am reading it as in contrast to darkness. That Allah is the ultimate light of everything. The ultimate release from darkness of everything. And then when I'm reading this whole depiction of the lamp, so Basit, I don't know if he's in class today, he he made a mention to this, a point that I've stolen from Dr. Israr, who probably took it from someone else, that here, when you think of the shape of a lamp, and your Northwestern students might remember this, that the shape of the rib cage looks like a lamp, with the heart being at the center of it. And then your Allah connects to you through your heart, among many ways, or as we said, that the light of Allah is so blinding that it's too much for us. What is an example of that in the Quran? Anyone? Where his light is so overwhelming that you can't take it. And I'm even cautioning caution against calling it his light, but that Allah's presence is so overwhelming. Moses, Moses peace be upon him. Say, yeah. Right? And then when we imagine that scene, what do we imagine? We imagine Musa a.l-A. saying to Allah, Can I see you? You're not gonna be able to handle it, but look at the mountain. So that's filter number one. Now, when we're imagining it, we're probably imagining a laser beam. And that's our modern sci-fi Star Wars. Uh, Who knows what happened? This thing that is upon Mount Sinai, that Mount Sinai could not even contain, and Musa salam faints. And a point to think about, was he fainting in pain? Or was he fainting in pleasure? I think we often just think about it as though he fainted, he passed out as a sickness, but I'm su- suggesting for your consideration that he passed out overwhelmed with pleasure. Because we're also taught that the ultimate pleasure of human existence is going to be to see Allah on in the day of judgment, to see Allah in paradise. But that is literally the ultimate pleasure of human existence. But in this world, we need these filters, whether it is to look away. Or what if we see the Prophet, peace be upon him, as a filter through which to understand Allah? What does that mean? So usually we speak of the Prophet as a guide, which obviously he is, the ultimate. But what if we speak of that also as a filter? Anyone want to try to make sense of this? Or while you're thinking about it, let's go to... Dr. Uh Ahant and then Nader and his vocabulary. Well, both of you and your vocabularies, but yeah. Um,
7: You know, I don't know uh, where to start here. uh, Start here because you made so many points that I want to comment on. But um, uh, I guess the uh, uh, the first thing that I will touch on or my reflection on it is, you know, uh, uh, when it says, even though the fire has not touched it. Um, now that light being emitted is always gonna be there and the fire that uh, that touches it, are you saying that that's our effort? That's our yearning for guidance? Is that?
0: I would say, so think of the narrations where we're taught, if you come walking to a love, then what happens? He comes running. He comes running okay. to you, right? that that's how easy it is to attain the light of Allah. It's almost like it's just jumping right at you. And I'll give you an example. Uh, this is a conversation that we literally had in my Intro to Islam class today. Uh, very often we are in the search for miracles. You know, Something that we often define as an anomaly, the perfect thing happening at, at the perfect time and such. But what the Quran seems to be calling us to is not to search for the miracles because that's also there but the miracles that are right in front of you. So for example, consciousness is a miracle. We have no explanation for consciousness. And yet in this class, not including the undergrads, but in this class, we have all these people with fully developed consciousnesses, teasing the undergrads. And we have in this world, 8 billion unique consciousnesses. I had, I was, uh, the class was on, not a neurology, but a neurology professor who said very categorically, we're never going to be able to explain consciousness. And this guy was totally secular, all that. Uh, or think of something as simple as the process of birth from start to finish. We might be able to identify all the steps, but then we're still saying from, from these two unique lives, a third life is coming forward. There's no explanation for this. We can just say this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. Why does life happen from there? So I'm saying these are miracles that are right before our eyes. And so often, like this is in Surah Al-Baqarah, and I forgot where I brought probably about two-thirds of the way in, when people are saying, why doesn't Allah give us a sign? And the response is, okay, even people before this have been saying the same thing. It's right there in front of you. And so what I'm suggesting, that the light of Allah is so right there in front of us, it's a matter of just turning our heads to, to open our eyes to it.
7: So that is what you're saying, you're the process that you describe. That would be the fire touching the light or the fire touching the oil
0: yeah, yeah. As, as a possible metaphor yes okay
7: and uh, you know i know you know you like to tease dr omer marines here but um you know um oftentimes um you know something that he said that you know you know comes to mind is um you know like if you look at creation and, and i think he uses uh you know like an object like to describe this, you know is only through the power of allah that an object comes into being right and and, then, and of all the the probabilities and of all the other you know avenues or or objects that one could be you know this object is this and you know we as human beings are, are human beings and that in itself is a miracle that nothing happens by uh, by chance, right? Uh,
0: Wait, what does this have to do with Dr. Omer Marids? Wait, what that? Huh? What does this have to do with me making fun of Dr. Omer Marids? Uh,
7: nothing. You just always mention him, so I thought I'd you know, share something he said. So the
0: reason, why do I make fun of Dr. Omer's Marids? No, why do I make fun of Dr. Omer Marids, not his Marids? Uh, because you guys are masters at quoting his vocabulary and then missing his lesson. That's all. <laughs>
7: So, so, I think, uh, uh, this, ayah.
0: Oh, go ahead. Good. I'm I sorry. Go ahead. So.
7: What are you saying? Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, this is one of those things, uh, you know, this, aya and deriving the lesson from it, it's more, it's, it's simpler than we're, we're making it out to be.
0: Right? I would say it's both. Uh, we could be over-complicating it and simplifying it, and that's part of the fun, part of the engagement of this aisle, and part of the thrill as well. So. Nether.
6: Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking about uh, what you were saying, which is like guidance is, our efforting is a form of guidance um, and our, our grappling with this ayah. <clears throat> and I don't know, just like a, what immediately occurred to me in my mind is, like, doesn't have to do with this, but just this concept of grappling, right? Um, like, for me, grappling with certain filth issues or something like that um, come to mind, whereas is it, is getting caught up in some, in a certain filth discussion, um, is that guidance, like, is that positive Um when it's holding me back in some way,
0: mm. um, yeah, I would not say the same thing about about wrestling over minutia in fiqh as the same thing, uh, because that is often obstructive, if not destructive. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, here, the intent from start to finish is: what am I learning about Allah? How am I getting closer to Allah? What is this teaching me about Allah? Right. Uh, Whereas the grappling over minutiae, over fiqh, if the intention was truly to serve Allah, then we'd be satisfied with whatever one question we ask, and then we're done. See what I'm saying? The excessive questioning often is the illusion of seeking guidance. Um, And thus it becomes, you know, stagnant, like I said, more often obstructive and sometimes destructive. Does that make sense? uh
6: yes so you're saying but doing that with this IA is it's like um delving deeper and deeper into this IA is not that like so
0: i would say the risk is doing that of doing that with this IA as well right i mean you'll even notice that you know after some amount of discussion i'd move on to the next point and on to the next point and on to the next point right uh, because you will reach a point where you're not going to be able to have a definitive answer. And then you're going to start refuting other other uh, possible views without justification. Make sense? Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Good on Please.
3: So I think the point on uh, the fact that the mere engagement with any AYA is a form of guidance is an, it's an interesting one in the sense that Um, For example, knowing who the speaker is, like if I know that this or, you know, take take it that this speaker is absolute, holds all knowledge, and is the guide, or the wali or the hadi. And I see the speech and my need to be as one who wants to be or needs to be guided then I guess my dialogue with uh, or conversation with the speech of this being would be that of guidance. So for example, if I'm lost on the street um, and I go ask a, a policeman um, you know, about directions or someone who looks like a local there, then they would speak to me as a guide given that the role that they play and the question that I'm asking. And so I guess knowing who the speaker is and my intention, then any sort of engagement with it would be that of what I am in need of and what that speaker is capable of mm-hmm.
0: And so then you're saying it would be substantially different if this was a line of poetry about God yeah. as opposed to being authored by God himself. Yeah. And, then, yeah, and then there would
3: be limits to engagement. And then, yeah, you would get into minutiae uh, and the fact that it might not be generational
0: either. Yeah, yeah. Very nice comment, Mashallah. on. No. Uh,
5: so the so the point about uh, prophet peace uh, being filter is if you can explain a bit is it something that uh, light as a revolution uh, revelation comes to came to him and then is it filtering something while he's explaining to companions or is it something metaphysical um, so if you...
0: okay very good so so let's change the word from filter to the source of, or the director, the director, like the compass. Okay. So how do I know where to look for for Allah? So the prophet, it's as though the prophet is saying, look to me. And then I will show you that which is illuminating me is where I will direct you. Does that make sense?
5: Okay. And that is a revelation.
0: Yeah. Right. Oh, sorry, this. Um, yeah. And so so, when we're seeing these different layers, we have the niche in the lamp, the lamp uh, in, in the glass, so forth and so on. Uh, I'm suggesting a way to think about this is that what is the effective role of the Qur'an? It's to guide us to Allah. What is the effective role of the Prophet, peace be upon him? It is to guide us to Allah. So, uh, as though the Prophet, peace be upon him, is not the container of the light, but it is the one drawing your attention to where the light is. Okay, very good. Any other thoughts, reflections, questions about this fascinating ayah?
5: Assalamualaikum.
0: Waalaikumsalam wa rahmatullahi wa saab. Yes.
7: Um, I have a question. Um, what is the collective agreement of the ulama on this ayah and everything that you have presented so far?
0: There is nothing. There nothing? is no collective agreement in terms of the meaning. There is. Uh, I don't know if there's any ayah that has as much diversity of understanding as this ayah does.
7: Okay.
0: The closest thing you can find is, in terms of my anecdotal experience, is light here is referring to guidance.
7: So the light, the nur, is referring to the guidance, right?
0: Yeah. But we know that Allah is a nur. We know Noor is one of the names of the Quran. We know Noor is what is spoken of that the Prophet peace be upon him is delivering. So Allah knows best.
7: Okay, Allah.
0: Alam. Allahu Alam. Anna. Thank you.
4: Um, I wasn't here for yesterday's class, so I apologize if this is a redundant question at all. But um, what is the niche in this case? Like, I know that a niche, like in biology, can like be like a place or like. A group of people. I'm just not sure how exactly it applies in this ayah.
0: Yeah. So, so think of, of the niche, which seems to be the only translation for for this for this word. Think of this as a locus, if that helps at all. So, and
4: like, yet,
0: would you have so a follow-up question, Anna?
4: So we're just like it's. We're just saying that there is like a certain location or like a certain.
0: I'm hesitant to call it a location, but I am calling it a locus.
4: Okay. Okay. Sounds good.
0: And again, if you think of the prophet, peace be upon him, as a compass, and think to the fact that, you know, I mentioned a moment ago that you can't see light. You can see the effect of light. Okay. Uh, But, you know, you can be directed to where the light is. Doctor Ahant.
7: Um, you know, you know, I know that uh, you say engagement itself and pondering different possibilities is is, is like you know in itself a, a benefit of examining this ayah. So, so forgive the question, but what is your main takeaway from this?
0: Oh snap! Okay, so, you to be like, as I was uh, mentioning, uh, spark notes. Um, I sometimes read this uh, as light referring to guidance, and I sometimes refer, think of this as light, aside from the creation of the human being, that aside from that, the most amazing of all creations is light, right? That I don't know if there's anything as fascinating and as astounding as light. And that's my purely subjective understanding. So if we were to speak of the most fascinating of all things, that is the closest thing we can have in terms of trying to comprehend or direct our attention to Allah, not in the sense that the composition of Allah that we, you know, that's beyond me, but to appreciate Allah. that we're shifting from other traditions, making God uh, like a human to God, sort of like light as we imagine light, but it's a light that's even beyond different than the light that we have here. And then uh, in terms of light in the container, in the container, in the container, is like your point yesterday, that reality has these layers and part of the purpose of the layers of reality is because people can only take so much at a given given time, at a given faith condition. And the level you wanna get to is to remove all those limitations. So for example, we know Allah by his names, we know Allah by his attributes, right? but he is not limited by my understanding of these attributes, right? I think we all understand that. He is also not limited by the entire range of any of the meanings of these attributes. Okay? And so thus he's not limited by the fact that he's not limited by these attributes. Okay? And so part of the journey of getting closer to Allah, one aspect of that we said is obedience. Okay. That's the idea of, of uh, be the abd of your rab. another is trust in God this is how we framed uh, alif lamim in relationship to bismillah rahman rahim another is seeking to have the connection with Allah that's bismillah rahman ar-Rahim okay. and here I'm saying part of the journey of getting closer to Allah is to remove the limits to allow yourself to become astounded but we have layers of reality that for our own sake prevent us from, from getting to that point But how do you do that? By all those other things, as well as allowing yourself to get further and further astounded. That if light is the most astounding of all creation, Allah is the most astounding of all things that we will ever perceive. And then for the second half of all of this, we're saying that it's not of this world. This light is not like the light we have in this world. It's beyond this world. Not from the East, not from the West but it is a light that is so near to us that it's almost like beaming right before us. We have to turn and look for it. That's my take on Zaya, my very humble take. And Allah knows best. What do you think, Dr. Ahant?
7: No, uh, you well, know, that makes sense. Um, you know, like when it says light upon light, I think of it as, you know, you know the Quran revelation being sent down, right? Which is its own light. Mm-hmm. And the light, like within us, you know, you know, our fitra, our light has to
0: meet that light. I think that's the role of of Toskia. Inshallah, yeah, Tuskia is purification, and what is purification? It's removing all the dirt. Right, right, yeah. Shayla,
2: just a clarification on the pronunciation. My name is an a like Shahla instead of a. Eh. Okay, say it again. Like either Shahla or Shahla, either one is fine. Shahla, not it sure. Yeah, let's okay.
0: Thank you. Thank you for the correction. Sorry about that. So I was gonna write it in your email email all last way. year, too. What's that? It was, did I mispronounce your name last I think year? You I asked me you? last year. Okay, Sorry. no worries. Okay. Um, you can call me Omar, you anyway, know. Keep going.
2: <laughs> um, so this started, um, just recently it started to make me think the more I read it about, um, I don't know the Arabic, but um, Allah is closer to us than our jugular vein, right? And so this closeness, I mean, it could could go in hand with this, right? Like he's so close and perhaps his light is like, you know, that close to us actually, um, and, or, you know, within us or that close to us as our jugular vein. I think maybe those two could be discussed together.
0: Yeah, I think that absolutely works. We will not be reading that ayah, but we will be making a reference to that ayah in an ayah we're going to look at later on. Inshallah. Okay. The closeness that Allah has with us. All Alrighty, finishing off. Any other thoughts, questions, reflections? Asim. Um, By the way, yeah. all you Dr. Moreeds that I like to tease—it's out of, purely out of love, right? You know, it's love for Dr. Omar greater than you, but you know, love for all of you. Okay. Mashallah.
1: Um The the part of this ayah that or a part of this ayah that really strikes me is when it says Allah guides to to his light whomsoever he wills. Um, Does that mean he can reject belief? Because I know that happened to Pharaoh, right? Mm -hmm. But like to think
0: that it could happen to anyone is terrifying. Yeah, and so what are we saying? It's as though your heart is in between two fingers. That's literally the Hadith. And it can go like this, it could go like this. And so what should, what sentiment should that create in addition to fear?
1: It's, it's that balance of hope and fear again, right?
0: But even simpler than that, what sentiment should that create? Need and vulnerability, right? And when you're expressing, when you're appreciating your own vulnerability, then you're turning to a love who has all power, nether
6: yeah sorry just a question that isn't related to this ayah, but um the i've been thinking about just like god as a nourisher as our do you have any just like reflections on how we recite that in prayer and in bowing and prostration like uh, the recitations that we we say there, uh, yep. why why those or I don't know, just any reflections on the
0: this is a, this is a wonderful question because you reminded me of another aspect of of light. Uh, I also uh, uh, in my read of the Quran, light is also a type of nourishment, and so so in the way uh, food is a type of nourishment, human touch, human contact is a type of nourishment, knowledge is a type of nourishment, and light is a type of nourishment. And that includes even the physical light of the sun, right? That is a type of nourishment, literally. But I'm saying guidance itself, light itself, is a nourishment. And so thus we call knowledge light as well. And so so when we speak of Allah as nourishing, that this nourishment, one way you can think of these, the dosages of divine nourishment are dosages of light. So like, try to imagine uh, Jibreel alayhi salam, giving, delivering a revelation to the Prophet, peace be upon him. What is Jibreel alayhi salam made out of? Light. What is he delivering? Light. And so sometimes the Prophet, peace be upon him, is receiving words, right? Iqra. Sometimes the Prophet is hearing words, right? He's, oh, you who's wrapped up, He's wrapped up and he's hearing the words. But sometimes he's neither hearing nor seeing. But Jibril, a.s., is depositing something into his heart, into the Prophet's heart. And try to even imagine what that is. But I like imagining as though he's depositing this dosage of a particular light in the prophet's heart which results in the ayah being spoken so I'd say all those things anyone else so what I hope the result of the engagement is to especially speak of it as guidance is that it makes you at least ideally appreciate Allah more or at the very least, appreciate the process of engagement. And thus, that is guidance. So. Alrighty. No more thoughts, reflections, questions? If not, we will get to our next ayah tomorrow, inshallah. Okay. And tomorrow is Thursday, so we'll be completing a week, inshallah. Tomorrow's ayah should be about just about as obvious as can be. I mean, in terms of unit one, speaking about Allah Taala. So we'll stop right here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu la ilaha illa Anta nasta'firuka wa tu'bi ilayk Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu la ilaha illa Anta nasta'firuka wana tu'bi ilayk Subhanakallahumma glory to you, O Allah, wabihamdika <speaking in foreign language> praise and gratitude are to you. Nashhadu la ilaha illa Anta. We bear witness that there is no god but You. Nostafudika, we seek Your forgiveness. when tubu and we turn to You. May Allah tell reward you all. And can you believe it? We've almost completed one full week of Ramadan. Wassalamualaikum warahmatullahi barakatuh